Our second scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of John, words spoken to the disciples of Jesus shortly before his betrayal and arrest. Hear now the word of the Lord. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. May God bless our understanding of this sacred text. Let us pray. Creator of friendships whose love lifts us from mindless service to caring community, we thank you for the guidance of your commandments and the promise of joy in Jesus Christ. We seek to love as we have been loved, to risk life itself for the sake of our sisters and brothers and to bear fruit that will last. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Friendship. It's a remarkable relationship, one marked by mutuality and love. We do not choose our kin, but we do choose and are chosen by our friends. Of course, there are varying degrees of intimacy in friendships. There are friends we text or speak with daily, sharing the details of our lives as they unfold. There are friends with whom we connect once in a blue moon, but are able to pick right up where we left off. And. There are friends who fit into a particular sphere of our lives. The golfing buddies, for instance, the quilting guild. My friend Heidi recently wrote an essay about her decision to move to a new city for the main reason of living nearer to friends. She writes, there are many ways to find happiness and fulfillment in life. The most important 
and the easiest may simply be spending time enjoying our relationships and friendships. God told Adam in the garden, it is not good for you to be alone. Jesus said, just as I have loved you, you should love one another. In this time when so many are struggling with isolation, perhaps it would do us all good to fall back on this most simple of values for a good human life, a good Christian life, that we simply make time to be with one another, not for any reason other than to be happy. Despite the simple goodness of friendship, though, within the past few months, several major newspapers and magazines have run articles naming that there is a state of crisis for many friendships. Just as the pandemic has affected labor, education, and recreation, it has also profoundly shaped the way we relate to our friends. Of course, some relationships were unexpectedly rekindled as old friends scheduled video calls and new neighbors took the time to get to know one another over socially distanced driveway gatherings. Other friendships didn't fare so well. The public safety practices of staying home, refraining from sharing meals with other households, and avoiding group activities took a toll. As one writer put it, the pandemic has evaporated entire categories of friendship and by doing so depleted the joys that make up a human life and buoy human health. I read these articles with no small amount of sorrow and recognition. I have sorely missed everyone from my dearest friends to my passing acquaintances during this season of separation. I certainly missed my church friends. No fewer than three friends moved away, their ties to Chicagoland abruptly loosened by the pandemic. Yet none of the articles made me so sad as the piece that celebrated the weeding out of unnecessary relationships. One of the women interviewed for that article put it this way, it sounds harsh when you talk about friendships, but there's really no room for riffraff in any part of life because emotionally we're all at capacity. Like, I don't wear heels anymore, Riffraff. I don't participate in the buddy system program at work anymore. Riffraff. And no more riffraff friends, for better or worse. On one level, I get what she's saying. After all, what does friendship mean in a world in which friending has become a verb? Too many weak, obligatory social ties can be draining, especially for introverts for whom small talk requires a big investment. And yet, friendship is holy, precious, worthy of tending, worthy even of sacrifice. We don't often think about friendship in light of our Christian faith, 
Certainly the church has spent far more time in history contemplating the importance of family than the significance of friends. There's even a strong tradition of considering a congregation a church family, the members of which become brothers and sisters in Christ. Yet in this passage, Jesus speaks to his disciples not in the language of kinship, but the language of friendship. In the midst of his farewell address, knowing that he will soon lay down his life, for this ragtag collective of fumbling, faltering believers, he calls them his friends. To be sure, it is a conditional invitation, this friendship with Jesus. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And what does Jesus command us to do? Abide in his love. I think this is to say, Jesus doesn't want to be considered a riffraff friend. He does not want to be an afterthought. He does not want a vague promise that will give him a call sometime. Jesus craves our time and love and care and attention, our commitment. He is ready to pour out his abundant love into our lives. He longs to make our joy complete. But Jesus cannot pour love into a heart that is sealed. He cannot infuse joy into a mind that is preoccupied with other things. He can't befriend someone who is too busy to notice. The other dimension of our new commandment is to love one another as sisters and brothers in Christ, indeed, as friends in Christ. Love is never as simple as the greeting cards make it out to be. St. Paul will go on to say that love is patient and kind, never envious or boastful or rude, and those things are true. But love is also arduous. Love demands something of us. Love requires time, attention, and sometimes even sacrifice. Yet love is always worth the effort. We are rewarded richly when we abide with our friends, rewarded with laughter and memories and a stay on loneliness. And abiding in the love of our holy friend, Christ Jesus, is what gives our lives shape and meaning and eternal resonance. It's interesting, we might turn to God and the church seeking such things as miracles or answers. Instead, we are given love and friendship, abiding love and true friendship. There are no riffraff friends in the body of Christ. So, my friends, let us be good and faithful friends to Jesus and to the people we have been given to love. Amen.